0: Hey, welcome to Tech Home. This podcast is basically the everyday stuff an average person thinks about. Raw and honest, filled with humor and wit. We chat about creativity, leadership, entrepreneurship, failure and success. Things which needs deep discussions but lighter moments. So it's me Kazim, joined by some amazing industry experts, friends occasionally to talk about some great topics that we otherwise don't discuss in a candid manner every Sunday a new episode so I would love you all to join me hey welcome to another interesting episode on tech today's guest doesn't need an introduction he calls himself as brand scientist Uh, he's a well-known brand Manager, brand leader, brand designer, brand consultant across the Middle East. Uh, he has over 30 years of amazing career. It's an honor to welcome today the amazing, the one and only Mr. Said Bagil. Mr. Balgil, welcome to the show. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. I'm really glad we finally got to connect. Can't be more happy than this. Let's, let's have this fantastic chat in the episode today. Welcome.
1: The pleasure is all mine and I really look forward to this uh, uh, episode when it comes out. And I hope it adds value to the, uh, uh, to the to your listeners.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think the one thing that the one thing that really uh, brings the value is uh, many of the comments and feedback we got from our audience was like we need to understand something more about branding. So I was like, we would get somebody who is the guru of branding. So thank you for doing this. i'm I'm really excited uh, uh, to to talk to you. today. but uh, let me start this. okay, let me start this. Talk about your journey. Why branding? How did you get into branding? And what led you into uh, this branding world? It is, it's a competitive world. I get that. But what made you the guru of branding? How did it happen?
1: Well, um, I was majoring in college in marketing. And uh tell you the truth, and I've always been transparent, even when I went up on stage in my public events, and I've always said I was not a uh, uh, let's say a smart student, someone who's not a 4.0 or 3.0 GPA. Uh, I, I tell you the truth, I barely made it. I graduated with a 2.0 GPA. Um, I went to the University of Maine, and um, I, actually, one of the people that truly influenced me in this career uh, in the early stages, uh, my college advisor, uh, Gordon Mosley. Uh, I think Gordon stayed with me and pushed me forward and in, into marketing. And um, because he saw something I didn't see. In fact, when I was in college, uh, I graduated in 1990. Back in the uh, 80s, you would uh, sort of, if you want to make your own ad for any event on campus, you would photocopy uh, uh, an image then stick that image on the paper, photocopy it, so it looks like a flyer. And uh, that's what I created out of a copy machine. So he says, look at it. Look, look what you've done. So I had this events on campus, and I was promoting these events, and I did very well. So I thought, okay, you know what? Marketing would be my uh, my journey. Um, I cannot tell you that I I, 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 I fall in love with marketing. Uh, when I was in college. No, I think I took it as a major because I, I just wanted to graduate. <laughs> so I, I took that as a major. I started working in sales. I worked for Edison Brothers Incorporated out of St. Louis, Missouri. And I've worked with several other uh, brands, Marshalls, and so on. Um, what really ticked the world brand in my life or whether the direction should be, uh, I think I, I. The I was I was at a dinner, and somebody handed over a book to me. And it was uh, well. He knows I'm a marketing person, so he said, "You know what? I think you should read this book. This book is really interesting." That was back in the early nineties. I think sorry, ninety ninety five, ninety six. That that not ninety seven, ninety seven. And the book's name is called "The Twenty-Two Immutable Laws of Branding," and it's written by Al Ries. That book it stole my heart. Why? The book—it was one of the first books that actually gives key example to every claim. So it's not somebody that argues and says, these are my, thought, my line of thoughts. No, he says, these are my line of thoughts and these are the examples. Why do I believe that my line of thought is relevant? Al definitely took me through that journey. So I continued reading a lot of Al's books and bringing uh, uh, an understanding. So he's one of my key um, inspiring figures uh, as for my industry. And also, also, as 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 the person was influential.
0: Well, but, was he was he the, the the was the book influenced to 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 the work uh, in the branding? Uh, that, yes,
1: it was the beginning where I thought that like brand is plays a very important because in marketing we always think about the marketing mix: product, price, promotions, and so on. Uh, the book took a completely different angle than what I did in college and versus what I did in my experiences uh, with, the, with the Edison brothers, Marshalls, and so on. Uh, this gave me a different, uh, uh, a different line of thoughts. It gave me um, a different perspective on how brand can influence marketing. And the other side also, the sort of examples that he used, he used them in a the storyline. It's something that would um, not only influence you, but invite you to think even further than what the book says. So you go into exploring. So it actually followed up with different types of books that I read for, for Al, from Positioning, uh, uh, The Boardroom, uh, uh, The Origin, uh, many different types of books. Uh, but came in, two ta- this also, in 2007, after living that Al B's world in my life, um I started writing I I, I, I I was a consultant in 2006 in Saudi Arabia uh, a resident consultant and there's a magazine out of um, uh, Dubai called Marketing Gulf Review and I started publishing monthly and I liked my line of thoughts then I said oh you know what I need to work on my line of thoughts sort of just following what Al says, you know, it's time for me to have my own personality, my own individuality. And that's when I also realized that I have to build my own personal brand, you know? So I went through the whole entire exercise and I took off for about a year. I moved to Hong Kong and I took about a year. I was, sorry, meeting between Hong Kong and Saudi for about a year. And I realize a lot of facts how I need to transform myself if I want to be in this industry. And uh, is it just a transformation, whether that I want to become a public figure or do I really have the passion? And this passion would actually fuel me every morning to wake up and say, oh, you know what? I look forward for tomorrow and I look forward to meet my clients. I look forward to write an article. I look forward to read a book or to read somebody else's post. All these contribute... To uh, sustainability of your career, if you want to focus in one certain type uh, on on one path, I find myself. I finally found myself, and uh, it's it's not. A, I mean, if people call it passion, I think for me it's marriage. It's passion and marriage. I mean, it's an endless marriage yeah. until uh, death do us apart. You know, so. <laughs> So we continue. I continued, and I don't think I drifted. And you know what's interesting uh, is that I met, I mean, across my career, uh, I've met people from different parts of the world and um, followed their tweets, their posts, and so on. Um, I've seen some just came in and quit. Others stayed two, three years. They changed careers.
0: I I want to ask that as well to you because uh, you made this very important point. Like you know, it's 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 more than passion. It's it's the life. It's a, it's like marriage, which can only the death can separate you. And and um, the, some people, like you said, they change the careers. They they don't like what they're doing. And um, but to be in the same field and to excel in that, it takes a lot of lot of uh, uh, hard work, right? So. How did you keep up to that? Because it's a very competitive world. I mean, it's a very competitive industry as well, the branding, because we need to be very creative. We need to come up with ideas that will uh, make those brands multi-million dollars or uh, billion dollar companies. So how did you keep up with the trend uh, from generation uh, from decade to decade? And how did you uh, keep up to your passion? Because passion is some, there's a difference between passion and difference between what I want to do. So if you mix both of that, you create wonders as what I think. So how do you keep up to your passion and how do you keep up to uh, the work uh, and hard work as well?
1: True, true. Uh, I think perseverance has a lot to do with it and commitment. Um, uh, look, I revisit my own personal life so I can put both of them in one approach. I understand your question when you've addressed your personal life and uh, which could also lead to hobby or passion versus the irrational form, which is your earnings, your everyday work. And how do you transform this work to something that benefits you, um, uh, both spiritually and financially? Um, I, I put both together in one. I, I made sure that I aligned. When I revisited myself and my approach, and I want to transform myself from just um, a person who... Uh, Uh, from a consultant to a personal brand, um, I made sure that the values of commitment across the board are installed in me. It's something that I hold to heart. Uh, And the other value that I hold to heart is transparency. And this is why sometimes when I analyze brands, um, some call me throat cutters, uh, because they call me throat cutter because I really go, uh, I shoot on the gut straight. You know, it's not like something that, uh, I would sugarcoat so I can please um, any other side of the aisle. No, I just see what the truth is. It's This is how I believe it is, and I spell it out the same way. And I make sure that transparency is also that the, somewhat consistent. Um, and I make sure also that um, when I wake up every day uh, and I pursue my passion, I'm pursuing my work. It's not like I'm pursuing my passion. We can dress the whole thing under passion. But work is part of that, so I live brand, I I breathe brand, but uh, but again, it's the definition of brand and how you define it. Most people think about it, okay, but how do you mix work with your personal life? But that's not true because brand is all about values. Your personal life is all about values, you know. And if you want to have a personal brand value. Sorry, if you want to have your life value and your work value separately, I mean, you're going to have two types of lives. So how can you manage two types of lives? It's the same thing. So manage, as just manage one type of life and be consistent in it. Be very consistent in it. So at the end of the day, when you go to work in the morning, you're the same person when he goes home. <laughs> it's not like you're going wear different hats, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very true. Uh, the, um, what, like, if you think the one thing... What do you think the one thing that uh, any company or entrepreneurs or or founders uh, should get right uh, when they're building a brand? For example, when they start a startup, it's not a brand. It's under, they're just taking it ground up. Um, But let us take in the context of the big companies like Apple or Google, it's a big brand. But there are a few products within that that comes out of that brand. How? What are the What are the um, things that you have to consider to make make it connected to the audience? And I also ask you, why Why did you choose the Middle East uh, for most of your career working with the Middle Eastern companies? I know there's a lot of a lot of potential there and there are a lot of stuff that we can uh, we can come uh, and do there uh, so what is there a strategic reason that you chose to stay uh, back and work with middle eastern brands
1: okay. I, I like your questions i'm going to ask i'm going to ask first the uh, the uh, the terms of startups and brand and then the second one i will, it will follow um why my, why did i choose the middle east um to start with these startups uh, or anyone that's launching a new business um, or an idea on the table. Um, and uh, the co founders decided, you know what, this is how we're going to go. Um, calls a designer, uh, they come up with a name, designs a logo, slaps the logo on the website. Let's go. I would not criticize, but let me go back to the fundamental. So we, you and I are on the same page, and so the audience are. Let's agree on one thing. In order for us to pursue anything, we need to have a clear understanding. And there has to be a fundamental understanding before the practice itself, so we can raise the knowledge, and when you come to practice, at least there's a guidance. Mm Rather than the trial and error that's very costly. Yeah. So let's go back to brand and define brand. To most cases, in most cases, people define brand whenever they see a logo, they say great brand. And that could be a five minutes logo. Somebody designed the thing five, five minutes later, it's on a desk, somebody goes, Well, what a great brand. It's not a brand yet, it's just a logo. Yeah. But apparently, the public perception of brand is logo. So that has influenced the whole entire experience. Yeah. So let me go back and define the, the brand. Brand is an idea that carries values to the sum of experience. This idea is inserted in your mind. So every time you flash out and you hear the name Apple, there's a memory with Apple. The values of uh, iPhone, simply uh, friendly to use, uh, touch screens, uh, many things. So Apple holds it. The moment you think of Volvo, that comes to mind, you go, oh my God, safety, and so on. The moment you think of Google, you think of the big company in, um, in uh, Northern California um, that does information, search engines, and so on. These are the values that are inserted in our minds. If I am wrong today in what I just told you, then Google would have succeeded in social media. Then they launched Google+, Plus, Google Buzz, they have the world's money. How can they fail on it? Because the brand, you cannot stretch it outside its spectrum. Yeah. It has a one set. If tomorrow Facebook decided to introduce Facebook cars, you think you're gonna buy them. I don't care what to- what type of battery is in that car, even if the battery is live is endless, it never dies, Facebook car won't succeed. Yeah. There's a there's a point of frame in there. So there's a mental frame where we insert the idea with the values. And then it transforms to everyday experience. That's what the brand is. Yeah, And the logo is part of that sum of experience, which is both science and art. Now, let's go to branding. Most people think branding is something that you slap on billboards, logos, and ads, and it's all great branding. No. Branding is the relationship that you maintain with all the stakeholders, whether it's the content you post, whether the words – Um, that comes out of your mouth. Whether you attend meetings, the way you shake your hands, the way you present yourself, everything else, the company you present, that's branding. That's everyday exercise. You are one of the touch points. So branding travels all across the touch points. Employees, uh, uh, retail stores, uh, billboards is one of them. But the reason I'm saying uh, billboards, one of them, is because it's part of the experience. It's part of the journey. So that's that's branding. So if we let, that fundamental. Now your question about startups. If, if look, if if, if, start, if startups launch um, their brand, they need to understand what sort of value they want to bring to the table. Second. I'll add one thing, which is very important. My advice to startups that are actually listening to me right now. Do not launch with a storyline that's so inspiring that makes people connect with you for five seconds, and then they forget you. You need to start functional. Define your unique values. Keep them functional, because functionality builds sustainability. Once you run out, from the functionalities that makes you distinct and you think those functionalities are strong, implemented, inserted in the mind of your audience or stakeholders, then you can go a bit of inspirational and emotional. But if you start with inspiration and emotional, and I don't understand why you are here and what's your purpose and what are the functional values you're giving me, I would never connect with you. And if I do, it'll be just because you have a beautiful story to tell and has nothing to do with what services you provide. Very, very, very careful. So in terms of your question about the Middle East, okay? Uh, in terms of your question about the Middle East, uh, I was not born in the Middle East. Uh, I'm an Arab. Uh, uh, my forefathers migrated from uh, Hadramot, uh, which is in the southern part of the Arabian Peninsula, about 150 years ago. Uh, our first migration was to uh, Indonesia. Uh, second migration, se- second migration was to East Africa. Um, then uh, uh, I-, I was born. I was born in uh, in, in East Africa, Ethiopia, and I left when I was six. I went to school in Egypt. I went to school in Malta. Went to college in America. Uh, finished high school in America, and uh, finished. Village high school in America did all of it, uh, did all of it, and I, I, I was inspired by um, by my life and the sort of trends that I have been uh, going through and so on, and the learning, the diversity, people from all walks of life in all my schools. I went, I went to a Catholic school, uh, uh, even as a Muslim, I went to a Catholic school, and so, on. so. How I landed in Saudi was when somebody invited me over to uh, do a consultancy to a new business that he's launched. It's a family, a reputable family, not to need to mention their name. And that was my first engagement to Saudi Arabia. And my second engagement was uh, 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 in 2007 uh, with, the same, with the same family. But also as an Arab, I took the responsibility that I have a commitment to raise awareness in the subject that I think... Um, expert in mm-hmm. i mean i have to add my contribution i have to add the values uh i need to look at all these youth across Saudi arabia emirates uh, bahrain egypt and just be there for them uh, the second part of it is i would like to see unfortunately to tell you the truth uh brand is uh, practiced wrong in my region my my the region the, the my, my my the region is practiced wrong and i'd like to see that change and i and i want to be the advocate for that change you know that people have to start practicing uh, brand correctly and i'd like to see brands out of my region uh, the the region of my origin uh, flourish across the globe uh, it's a dream it's a passion but i'm sure with the current changes that are happening in Saudi Arabia in the in the region, I think there's it's promising. It's
0: promising. I agree with you. There is change happening. Uh, I think people are seeing the tremendous growth and 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 the new uh, opportunities that has uh, that has come up. Uh, in the region and um, the, the youth and the and the young startups are mature enough now uh, to take it global so which makes me ask you this next question uh. the competition is so high uh, when it comes to uh, the money that is poured in uh, by the big brands uh, um, to you know Create the awareness among their brand, these brand managers and creative strategists and everything. So, is it really necessary for for a a brand to have lots of money so that it will do well? Or is it really important to have a good strategy to make the brand work? And the reason I'm asking this question is because the startups don't have money, the startups don't have investment. Probably they'll have. 1% 1% or 2% of marketing budget or like half of that for the branding uh, to create awareness and all of that stuff. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Is is, is the thoughts, is uh, let, let's talk about a product, right? Let's talk about a product, No, don't let's not talk about a brand. Let's talk about a product, a product. I made a product and the product works fine. I feel that it gets connected with the audience. Now, I don't know how to do the branding. I don't have money for it. So let's make it work but there is a product, it doesn't work like shit, but I have loads of money to promote it, but it still doesn't work. Like why do people get caught up in that? I like, I like your question. Let,
1: let me first, uh, let me first uh, make a statement uh, in which I also shared a post on LinkedIn a few days ago in regards to this. Do I need a big budget to make a brand successful? No, I don't. I don't believe so because I personally did it. I actually made, I disrupted the category, the uh, the the um, energy drink category in Saudi Arabia with a low funded budget, and well, so with a low funded brand, and the brand today is number one in the category because I defined the target audience. So, what? Why do people need big budgets? Marketeers that need bid budgets or startups that need bid budgets because they don't have the fundamental of brand and marketing in their hands. So they believe that whatever awareness you create and you spend so much money, you get in fact, if you spend billion dollars, you only get a fraction back. It's 2.5 to 7.5% are the interactions and returns. So why would I have to spend $2.5 billion to get some $1.5? Why don't I do the opposite? So what's my strategy? Here's the Here's another advice so your audience can take it. First, let's agree that the brand is a holistic approach. Your product is part of the brand. Define a smaller segment. It's not that you have to address everyone. Define a much smaller segment. Capture that segment. Scale up from that segment by a portion. Play, I call it the 10-15. Scale up to 10-15. Spend the next five years at 10-15 growth. You would actually, in five years, you will have the sales that somebody has spent about a million on their billboards rarely made it. So, does it take money to... It takes, it takes unique, distinctive values. You need to have something I want and desire for me to connect with you. You need to talk to me. You need to address my needs. Once you do that... And you focus on the smaller audience, and you scale up from there. You're actually building up a community. In fact, you know what? The person that spends about a million and a half to five million to two hundred million in five years on billboards really builds up loyalty. You will build loyalty. Uh,
0: the one thing, the one thing on that uh, which you just said, for example, uh, let us talk about house of brands. Okay. Yes. Uh, let's talk about how's the brands so for, the one thing that comes to my mind is Procter & Gamble they have p uh, yeah. they have crazy brands and uh, most of their brands that they have uh, come out with are hugely successful because they connect with uh, the audience family individuals like Gillette uh, Ariel and all of that stuff and then uh, there are other uh, big companies uh, uh, if I had to call out a uh, few names, like okay, Nokia, like everything was fine uh, with Nokia unless they did not shift from their Symbian phones to Android technology. But there was a lot of wrong that they did with the branding as well because they thought that they were, the audience would stick to what they are selling and they did not change or catch up with uh, with Android technology. Now... No evolution. If, yeah, no evolution. Now, if you if you put that into context as of today with the social media marketing, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, where has the trend gone? Like, do you think now uh, most of the branding for the smaller products can be achieved like how the bigger products do with a lot of money on social media platforms? If the product, uh, no. uh, let me, let me,
1: let me touch bases on this also that on the spendings in fact p does spend a lot to create its own relevance it's, it's a reminder but don't forget p is one of the world's companies established categories so if you're going to talk about aerial, Tide and so on these are established categories so if you're going to talk about the deter- detergent category and you look at the detergent one two and three it's Unilever. I'm uh, sorry, it's PNG. 2nd is Unilever. It depends on what country you're in. In America, in the Middle East, uh, Pacific Asia, wherever there's an American influence culture, uh, you find that the American brands perform a lot better. So again, America is not just about pushing their products, but America is one of the best countries to, to export culture. You know what I mean? So if you export their culture and you export your product and you transform my way of life, I'm definitely going to relate to your product more than the other one. So it's a holistic approach from America in an upper scale, which is the made-in-USC brand. You know, we buy into the made-in-USC brand. Now, if we're going to talk about Nokia, I mean, Nokia, the transformation of Nokia just failed, came out too late. I mean, they remained mobile while while BlackBerry was sort of the signal of every change that's going to happen, but Nokia remained. When brands become so mature and extremely successful, and I think Apple is living this uh, this momentum right now, and I'm kind of worried that Apple might also see uh, Nokia's fate not too long from now. Uh, when and everyone had Nokia before uh, before BlackBerry came out, before uh, Android and iOS came out. Uh, so it was the most fashionable brand at the same time, is the most the, the best brand that you would use to uh, make a call. Second to new Nokia was uh, Ericsson and Motorola. The people at Nokia became arrogant and they sat on top and they believed whatever their brand says would work. They forgot one that the evolution of your target audience, it transforms into new trends based on the existing innovation and leading innovation. And Nokia was away from innovation. In fact, BlackBerry sparked the new innovation. And what Apple did, it captured the trend and transformed it. BlackBerry never transformed. BlackBerry invited the trend. Apple transformed the trend. Google followed the trend. Microsoft woke up a bit late. They're also arrogant. They said, "Why would Windows go on a phone?" But they realized <laughs> iOS success. They realized Android success. They followed too late. And the biggest mistake they did is buy Nokia. I mean, you'd, you you want to bought a dead phone? You want to wake it up? that one wants an iconic phone. The whole entire experience at that moment um, was extremely extremely interesting. It was interesting to see the whole entire cycle, and what was far more interesting even is that Microsoft, a company of software, software went into hardware.
0: I mean, they that, was, open stores. That, was really, that was really surprising that they started putting the Microsoft OS on uh, onto Nokia phones. Uh, it was absolutely hilarious because you do the same stuff, like start on your phone, like have you done it in your laptop? Because that didn't connect with, with the audience at all, because there was no uh, difference of why I'm using the same thing on my laptop which is windows and same thing on my phone and with the same um, ux and ui there's no difference you know start um uh, the microsoft service store everything was like i don't think they literally sat down with the design team and the branding team to think what they are pushing from the laptop to the phone that was a disaster that they did you know
1: absolutely i mean uh, replicating apple strongholds like the tablet uh the phone and so on and then opening Microsoft retail store in my in in Times Square, New York. I mean, why would a software, I mean, sorry, but business, the business strategy dictates all this. It's not the brand. The business strategy dictates this. Once your business strategy starts looking like Apple, you're commoditizing your brand. Mm -hmm. So once you're a leader in software and you decided to have an arm in hardware and then Roll out your retail stores, in which you want to be part of the existing trend that Apple has created. I mean, uh, you're not you're not a startup.
0: No, you're not a
1: mid. <laughs> you're not an S. You're not a, You're Microsoft, one of the most global, powerful global brands. And what do you do? You try to replicate an existing brand. You're going to commoditize yourself. So. That whole entire journey back then was very much interesting. Once the CEO left, and the new CEO came, came on board, at least now Microsoft has has a voice that becomes strong in cloud. I'm um, I, I. I just don't I don't know I I, I cannot capture one single idea uh, that Microsoft stands for, but Apple stands for innovation. But also Apple is another thing also. Uh, we don't see innovation after Steve Jobs. Uh, it's everything that's been tweaking. You just you, you tweak here and there, and you launch it. Anything new, it never happened. I think Steve Jobs just built up the pipeline with all these values, and Tim Cook just rolled them out mm-hmm. and tweaked a few of them, uh, and then the, the numbers of SKUs on the phone is expanding. Steve Jobs' time was iPhone 5, 7, 8, 9, now you've got RS. I'm lost even myself. RX, XX, <laughs> 11X, 11X. It, 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 sounds, it, it, it sounds like you're addressing too many different target audience when you are focused. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm concerned about Apple in the long run. Um, if Apple does not start making few changes right now, I don't know. I mean, they were arrogant when when um, Elon Musk came up to them and said, uh, do you want to buy Tesla? Tim Cook said, no. Why should I buy Tesla?
0: Wow. Really? I didn't know that. I, I, I think I missed well, you that. Go- you can Google
1: it. Now, a funny part, back then, Apple was thinking about introducing a
0: car. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were working on the, uh, the remote car, Apple remote car, and it went into yeah, yeah. R&D, and uh, cool. it didn't come Did out. You have- you have, you have a
1: plant in Fairmont,
0: California.
1: Elon Musk is building a, uh, uh, um, a battery-operated vehicle. And he's inviting me to be carry the Apple brand on it. Why not? Now that's where it comes to the point of brand arrogance. Because Tim believed that his brand is the ultimate and Elon Musk is chasing him for his brand. Now look, carefully, Ten years later, Tesla is the most powerful brand in the auto industry.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is. It is now. It's getting into that where it has um, become the number one um, trusted automaker in the world. It has. It has beaten Ford, Toyota. I mean, okay, fine. Ford, I I get that uh, in, in in the U.S. the Ford cars are really liked upon, but Toyota, the world loves Toyota. And and then it has beaten Toyota to be the number one uh, uh, automaker uh, in terms of quality and and there's, there's nothing
1: not to admire. There's nothing not to admire about Elon Musk. I mean, the gentleman. I I you know I've always been inspired by people who bring change and not people who tweak. Steve Jobs brought change. Elon Musk is bringing change. Uh, Jeff Bezos. Uh, uh, not too fond of uh, Zuckerberg uh, because he he, he he he's an intelligent businessman for his age. Uh, he bought existing values because he knew that Facebook would not last for too long. So he bought ex- Instagram, took over WhatsApp, and so on and so on. So I like uh, his relevancy. But remember, his relevancy is not out of innovation, it's out of business logic. But when you think of Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, and Jeff Bezos, even Jeff Bezos um, might be a bit of an aggressive character. Uh, are these, these are characters that are impacting our lives in many ways. Yeah. Steve Jobs impacted our lives. I mean, today, uh, I, the whole time I'm sitting here and holding this pen in my hands, and it's funny, every time I write on a piece of paper, if you compare it back 20 years ago or 25 years ago, I'm able to put a whole thing together. Now when I use my pen to, to write even a paragraph, it's just, my handwriting looks funny, because I'm used to, you know what I mean? I'm used, yeah. I'm used to my cell phone, typing on my cell phone or my iPad. So that impact also changed. Uh, uh, Jeff Bezos uh, uh, on Amazon, um, Many, many things. These these kind of um, changes that inspires people also motivates them to think forward. It motivates them um, to change their own way of life. Uh, you know, it's it's funny um, when you look up at the startups today across the globe. Uh, you can't tell me there's no startup that is not inspired by a story that he witnessed or something that he witnessed that he could fix. A problem that he's seen that he's able to solve. So uh, it, the whole entire process of creation um, as a business, uh, if if it's if it's able to impact people's lives, you know this business is running for a huge fortune. But if it's replicating existing values, you know somebody has got money and he's going to run out of those money very soon
0: yeah with, with, with that said I just wanted to ask I have I have a lot of questions the one thing I wanted to bring to you is the like many people many of my friends um, they had these curious questions like um, how do we how can we invest in the Middle East what is the what is the uh, marketing and branding strategies that we can use to increase our brand presence in the Middle East the reason I'm asking this question is because, Marketing and branding in the Middle East is becoming the topic that a substantial number of people are wondering about. Like for example, targeting the consumer in the Middle East is not limited anymore to the international companies. It is increasingly important for startups and mid-sized companies in the region who are trying to expand across different countries in the Arab world. The one being is if they can get the EMEA, which is Bahrain, Oman, Saudi, um, Qatar, Kuwait, and all of these countries and the the margin is huge. Like the reason is, for example, if you see the clothes that are sold in in the U.S. uh, I'll take an example of uh, Michael Kors. The price that's sold in the U.S. is hugely different from the price that is sold in in, in the Middle East because there's no sales or anything like that. It's just um, the price is taken up. Now, uh, what I want to ask you uh, is, I want to know what what is the good uh, what is the bad and what is the ugly of branding and marketing and doing business in, in, in the Middle East? And, and, uh, and the reason I'm asking is because there are social concerns. People are worried about, okay, is this something like I'm breaking the rule or is an easy segment and, and all of that stuff? So I wanted to know from your uh, uh, side and your uh, uh, thoughts because working with, with different multinational companies and big brands, what do you think are the, uh, are the most effective ways for easing that uh, uh, business um, you know, market for, for people from the West side?
1: Okay, so the, the, the price point changes. I think uh, I can tell you this. You can go to Macy's in, in New York or in uh, Portland, Maine, Walk in mazes and you walk to the Tommy Hill figures section and you can pick up a shirt for 50 or 40 bucks. The same shirt, you will see it in Paris or you see it in Riyadh or in Dubai as tenfolds.
0: Yeah, I have seen that. And uh, it was surprising for me.
1: (laughs) I mean, forget Tommy Hill figures. Uh, I think Old Navy is a perfect example for you. (laughs) <laughs> Old Navy in America is like six to seven bucks. Uh, in the Middle East, you find about folds of the Old Navy. Um, so the price point j- changes because of population. America is a huge, 300 million, 350 million population, mass production, higher income uh, uh, brackets. Uh, um, also, uh, the income group at an average level is much higher than uh, Middle East and, and Africa. So there's the consumption. Uh, in Saudi, the population is much smaller, uh, but you have a high net worth individuals. At the same time, the, uh, the income per household, compared to the income per household in America, you would compare it to the, mids, to the middle class American. Um, but when you, uh, when you have the uh, uh, blue collar uh, and you want to compare it to the Middle East, Much of the blue-collar workers in in the Middle East and in the Gulf, especially, precisely, uh, are are uh, expats. They're from uh, South Asia, Um, so there is that difference on volume, you know, versus value, uh, which 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 can address uh, differently. Uh, My advice. Look, I've, I've I've been very consistent in my advice for anyone who wants to enter to business in GCC uh, plus Egypt. Let's say um, first, let's say that Egypt uh, startups are uh, fa- the fastest growing in the region. Uh, has a great Egypt has a great fundamental for uh, tech startups. Uh, great ideas are coming from there. Uh, um, average funded not as fun, well as funded as the Saudi startups. Saudi startups are very mature. Uh, a lot of trial and error. Uh, the only drawback on the Saudi startup, uh, uh, you cannot differentiate between the personal feeling and the business. You know what I mean? It's all smudged in. So if you're going to talk about the business, you're going to see the, uh, the founder being everything about the business. So his preferences can influence all decisions. Let's move and talk about the ecosystem. I think I, I am inspired by the 2030 vision of Saudi Arabia. Uh, I think this is solid. I think um, one of the best leadership I've seen.
0: Oh, yeah. In uh, my life. I agree. Yeah. I agree with you on that. My life,
1: um... The leadership that once to do a lot for their citizens. It's a leadership that wants to impact the region. It's a leadership also you have, as an Arab, you have that sentiment of the Arabization and uh, uh, it's time that there's an actually young dynamic figure that's coming out of the region that is uh, being a global ambassador that someone you as an Arab would also look up to and say, wow, somebody's really not. Somebody does not put the key in to the door, but somebody just changed the whole entire knob, you know what I mean? Um, So the ecosystem is changing dramatically. Uh, Look at Emirates. uh, Look at the whole entire horizon from Emirates to Bahrain to Kuwait, uh, the whole Gulf. Uh, I would add Egypt. The dynamics could be very different in Egypt. Uh, not a value market but more a volume market. Um, income per household is much lower. Um, but yet you have a very strong growing middle class in Egypt right now. Uh, I think the economy has improved uh, massively. Uh, and people and unfortunately people measure economy with uh, the currency devaluations and so on. I mean, the currencies are, it's supply and demand, the economy, you know. And Egypt's supply and demand has been sustainable, you know. Right. But at the same time, the, the government has been very proactive in making sure that the that there's a great ecosystem for the
0: startups. Is, it has. Uh, what about the segmentation? I mean, I understand the ecosystem is, is changing. And um, with ecosystem comes... Uh, the segmentation of the market as well. But the reason I'm asking this question is uh, with uh, Middle Eastern consumers, um, it's very easy to segment and, and you 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 only need less efforts to identify the customer persona. But if we use um, uh, the traditional ways of uh, getting the feedback, the social media engagement uh, and increasing the brand awareness, the reason is, you know, uh, the feedback you get initially from the West side or the European side uh, from from the customers wouldn't be necessarily the same from the Middle Eastern um, uh, volume so- I mean I think I think
1: that I, I see your point I, I think the segmentation have uh, changed a lot I mean the way we define segmentation is uh, a group of people that have similarities uh, mm-hmm. and I think I think this has changed a lot uh, in terms of the uh, uh, the look and feel and the likes, is because there's several clusters that are driving uh, separately. Um, and you cannot label them. Uh, uh, I mean, I'll give you one example. the uh, If you're gonna measure the high net worth individuals in Saudi, for example, or uh, in the Gulf, there's two types of clusters in that area. Those who are high net worth individuals and also Cultured, which also changes how they buy things and how they measure things and how they experience things. Yeah. Versus those who have just money and no culture and then doesn't know what to do with money but buy very expensive cars and park the the price. I mean, there's there's a life experience versus um, possession. Uh So, that's where, if we measure this back 40, 50 years ago, I would agree with you, 90%, we're dealing with one segment. But we're in each segment, there's several clusters that I am able to see in change in behavior and change of uh, action. And that's influenced by the diversity that has taken place in the past 30 years uh, or 40 years. Saudi so was able to send thousands and thousands and thousands, even millions, I would say, of their students to study abroad. And it didn't happen just for the past 15, 20 years. It's just been since the days that Aramco opened their office in Texas. So Emirates, at the same time, is driving the same uh, – it's been a parallel to, to Saudi. And remember, these two are more driven by the American culture uh, and influenced by American culture. So, I mean, look at the roads – very American roads, uh, uh, you see more American cars on the streets, uh, family-sized cars, and so on. Um, Lots of the travels are in major American destinations, Tampa, Orlando, Houston, New York. Mm -hmm. Um, Europe, it it appeals to, several destinations in Europe appeal to Saudis and the Gulf, and uh, that's more of the southern destinations, uh, plus London. Uh, so if you would say Paris, you're necessarily not going to see Paris, but uh, but you will see around the Riviera, you know. Um, and um, unfortunately, the whole entire Arab is not a culture uh, explorer; it's more of a high street shopping uh, explorer. So it, it, the influence comes on. Um, it has also to do with uh, the self esteem, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. It's absolutely interesting. I I, I might have addressed uh, the segment uh, more thoroughly, but w- what most see is on uh, uh, income, uh, age, and I don't think these things are the most relevant today. As much as you want to explore each segment on their way of life.
0: Oh uh, no, uh, no! I think uh, you made you made some. Um, you made some interesting points. The one thing, the one thing uh, uh, which which I really liked when you said the the, the brands are making an impact on the lifestyle of, of the people as well, and it's also balanced with a lot of expats and 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 the natives as well. Now uh, that's changing. And uh, no, founders and investors and entrepreneurs are coming from different countries. I wanna jump into uh, uh, something very really interesting. Like you're author of about six books, right? Um, uh, yeah. if, I, if I recall, uh, I was going through uh, some of your books, um, uh, Create Your Space, um, yes, then, your um, and then you wrote Brand Revolution, and then yeah. you wrote The Power of Belonging, uh, yes. and uh, Brands in Glass Houses. Uh, yes. The power of belonging. Uh, part one, I guess that was the, the part one, and yes. the glamour globals. So, what's next for uh, Barrett? What's what's next in his kitty? Uh, I am
1: actually, I, uh, I'm, I, I, I'm almost done with my new book. Um, it's called The Origin, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it takes you on a journey. There, it's more of a, a brand used and more of a storytelling. Uh, in my previous books, I was extremely fundamental in the uh, understanding of brand and uh, branding and marketing. Uh, when you look at power of uh, uh, belonging, I was addressing the power of brand across uh, cultures, across uh, business and so on. And create your space of address, how can you create your own space in the marketplace? Um, here, the, the origin I am actually taking the Arabian tribes uh, and each of the tribe. Me being of Arab origin, I belong to a tribe. So what am I doing in this, in the book, The Origin, is I'm giving an example how the Arabian tribes are perfect in brand. And mm-hmm. give you an example. My last name is Bagheel, as you know. And there's a million Bagheels there. That does not mean that we're related. It's just yeah. because we're all from one tribe. Yeah. But we're very consistent in the values. Whether I it's me or somebody who's living in Hong Kong or Singapore, we're very consistent in the values. Uh, or any tribe from the Saudi Arabian tribes, uh uh Gandhi, and so on. If you go see the tribes, it's not only that you know notice, notice their names. But also their way of life is very similar. Uh, and tribes, Arabian tribes, are extremely consistent in their values, and they hold their values to hard, and they actually pass these values through generations. So I was showcasing the origin uh, and how origin can can really can can maintain uh, the best practice of brand and keep everything um, very authentic. Um, the other side of the book also, it addresses the, uh, uh, the, the generation. Well, the, the, I spoke about the positive side, but also something that is also alarming, that these tribes have been there for thousands and thousands of years, and everyone in that tribe inherited. But the sad side is that we fear change. Tribes fear change because if change, it's sort of not only that 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 threat. It just it's, they take it as threat. It threatens their livelihood. It threatens their unity, uh, and they, they think it compels the other tribes to uh, act and react differently. Uh, so I also address that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and what's um, what's the leadership style of uh, Bagel? These are the questions from the audience. And uh, yeah. what's the what's the leadership style that you follow with your um, uh, with, when you're working with the brands? And also uh, the important thing is, uh, what's fun for Bagel? What does he do for fun? You know, what's okay. his, uh, yeah. what does that uh, do in uh, free time?
1: Yeah. My leadership, my leadership is very uh, lenient leadership. But also, let's say leadership, the word leadership. Leadership is born out of experience. It's not like some people sit on Twitter and talk about leadership every day. L- leadership is you build it from your hardship, uh, uh, both hardship and, um, and every other experience that you went through, and that builds your character. It builds who you are, and it puts you in the leadership position. There's uh, self-reliance, self-sufficiency. All that does leadership. Um, but you cannot call something a leadership when you get government assistance, family assistance. This has nothing to do with leadership. Leadership is a character that drives forward and that impacts everyone around them. At the same time, enables others to become leaders. Now, my, my leadership, and I don't like to call it leadership, my purpose is I work... I really enjoy working with young uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, I'll give you an example. I, we recent, I recently appointed uh, uh, a great agency, uh, uh, agency slash consultancy out of Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, uh, to work with me when I have clients from Saudi, for example. And we have three projects in the pipeline now, and I'm loving every part of it. It's learning for them, Uh, my models, my practice. At the same time, I'm inspired by the impact I'm bringing. I'm inspired by the stories I'm hearing. I'm inspired by um, how hopeful they are about what they want to do with their organizations and how they want to move forward. Um, My leadership is to listen before I talk. My leadership is to be there and to only measure things, not by what I get paid, no, but what I have added in their life.
0: You mean the value that you bring to their uh, life and, and the value that you bring? Absolutely. Everything for me is about value. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, so in when is the next book coming out? Uh,
1: uh, right now, we're planning for March, but you know, with this COVID thing and all this crisis that are happening around our world, um, I have a call with the publisher next week. Well, I don't know yet. The, earlier, a month ago, it was March, but now I heard some, there's some few delays, so but we'll see. You've asked me about my hobbies. I, yeah. I, I play guitar. Um, wow. I've been playing guitar for the past uh, 30 years. Um, I love cooking very much I do uh, walk every day about 10 miles Um, Yeah, I love it I wake up real early and walk and put my music on and I just uh, I'm lost in my own in in my own path I from work to what I do every day in my life to my hobbies to my friends to my family Uh and my Run and so on. So, uh, and th- these are the hobbies. Also, I, 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 as you see, I post articles. I like writing. Writing is uh, a hobby, but I, I, love, I love writing on uh, 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 empowerment and uh, brand.
0: Yeah, I, I, I like your readings. I, I, read, I was reading a few of your articles, so I was really interested. It has some, it has freshness. I like. What I like in the writing is I love writing as well. What I love in the writing is the freshness that, that somebody can bring into the writing. Like if you write something, it's what you feel and what you want to do uh, with with, with everything yes, yes. you're writing. It's not about following, like how you said, like following something and writing. It's about what I want to write, what I want to feel about this. So that, that is what I think your writing brings. And uh, it, it's nice to, nice to read and plus, the the thirty plus years of experience in working with multinational brands, what is the biggest failure and what is the biggest success that you ever had within uh, your career?
1: Look, I've had many failures absolutely. Uh, let's let's uh, my first job was with uh, when I graduated was with uh, an insurance company and it was called uh, Atina Insurance. and I failed miserably, absolutely miserably. I only lasted in that job seven months, and I was fired. Uh, it was too aggressive. It was uh, very high expectation uh, expectations, and I don't think I was mentally and physically ready for the job. Uh, as a fresh college graduate, 2.0 GPA, I uh, had lots of fear in my heart whether the, the I didn't. I didn't. I, I, you know, when he graduated with 2.0, the first thing is, who's going to accept you for a job? It's going to be a hard road. You know, uh, my second job, uh, I lost in that job, but I walked out uh, and I called that a failure. Um, I lost about a year and a half because I didn't find myself. I was bored. I was doing what everyone wants me to do. My third job. With Edison Brothers, I think my direct boss had a mark in my life, uh, Keith Black. Keith gave me the freedom to speak where I built my confidence. I was able to add value. I was able to discuss and challenge and so on. and I actually lasted there for uh, five years. Then I moved to Marshalls. I oh, was sorry, Marshalls bought Edison Brothers, so I was just uh, within the organization. Then um, I I quit Marshalls and started my own courier company <laughs> <laughs> in California. Uh, I um, I it was just I never owned any asset apart from the packaging. I put my own labels. Mm -hmm. And I contracted outside companies to deliver for me. That was basically what it is. Uh, I was successful in the beginning. Uh, Then uh, I failed, revisited the whole business. I raised it up again, and I sold it. And I moved out. Um, I certainly had uh, some successes. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I think my personal brand is my own success. Uh, it's my own creation. And what I do today is my own success.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: this, this didn't come just because um, I had knowledge or it's because of uh, 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 I worked in the Middle East or in Europe or in America. It's because the, the fundamental that people like Keith Black and Gordon Mosley and always have put in me is what drove me. And actually my friends and family and my father, God bless his soul, my father is an example of leadership for me. And I've always looked up to my father and he certainly um, was one of the driving forces to what I am today.
0: Yeah, that that brings me to the question that branding is really important for the product success. Whether it's your own branding, your personal success, or uh, it's a, it's a company that you work for a product you work for uh, the strategic uh, aspects of of uh, of a product is, is really begins yes. with the values yeah. of that product right yeah. that is what uh, we I, agree on
1: yes I think everyone should think of brand as more than just a business brand is life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know. Look, I, I I still have loads of questions. I know it's we, we spoke about more than one and a half hour now. And that's the that's the longest. I really loved enjoying. I want to do a part two of it. Um, probably bring okay. a, bring in one of my um. Uh, close friend who works in, in, in the marketing industry in the Europe and okay. he's he's working in the Oxford. So it'll be really nice to have two like minded. But it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh thanks for doing this. Thanks for your knowledge. And, you know and I think so I've nice. I've built a friendship here, a start of a friendship with Absolutely.
1: You. Absolutely. Uh, I look forward. I like I like what you do.
0: And, and, and work with you and probably bring in the change uh, uh, with, with, uh, with, with, within the Middle Eastern region. So thanks for doing that. Uh, amazing.
1: The pleasure is all mine and I look forward and I would like to thank uh, your listeners and I just want to say a few words at the end to your listeners, just, just from my experience. Um, look, things might get hard. Don't yeah. give in. Don't give in. Make sure, make sure, make sure you learn, make sure you understand before you start anything. Make sure, make sure that your you separate your business from self. Self can be the number one enemy for your business growth. Listen, always listen, always listen. Embrace, embrace. Do not, do not fight. Change, embrace, move forward. I hope. Things go well to your listeners and to yourselves, sir.
0: That's a, that's a great ending for this episode. So thank you very much. I look forward to bringing you on many more episodes and and and, and a lasting friendship from here onwards.
1: Thank you very much.
0: That's it for today. Uh, that was Seth Bagel. We had some important and amazing conversation. Uh, he spoke about his journey, uh, about brand, uh, the way Middle East is changing in terms of uh, investment, startups, uh, and what's new. Uh, really looking forward to uh, uh, start off his own podcast, which is Brand Scientist. I'm gonna leave the details in the in the in the description below. Uh, we are all on all the major platforms: Google, Spotify, Apple. So please. Subscribe to the podcast if you have not subscribed yet. Uh, so I'm I'll be bringing some other imp- interesting guests uh, in in coming episodes. So up until then, this is Kazim Hussein. See you and goodbye.